RadioInfluence.com. to Crush Performance with the Crusher, Jeff Crushell. Get in on the talent grid and text Crush at 10-12-60 with your questions, comments, or smart-ass remarks. And welcome to Crush Performance, everybody. I am Jeff Crushell, and we're your weekly source for performance information. Today... We are discussing organizational performance. It might be one of the performance world's greatest chicken and egg scenarios. What comes first, the organization itself or the people that make it work? Well, today we're going to connect those dots and dig down deep to get a better understanding of what makes organizations tick. We're going to look at where does organizational performance start, what are the components that make it work, and how can you maintain top performance as a team or organization over time? And if you have any questions, comments, or smart remarks, reach out to us. Crushperformance.com is the website. Info at Crushperformance is our email. If you need some help or you have a topic you'd like us to investigate, let us know that as well. We've dedicated segments, even entire episodes to your ideas, and we answer every single message we get. So if we can help you out, we will. If we don't have the answers, here's what I can tell you. We know somebody who does. And that's kind of segues nicely into today's conversation as we connect the dots in organizational performance. We know that nobody does it alone. So sometimes you have to reach out for help and developing and establishing that network and having the right people around you is a huge part of this puzzle. And speaking of which, today we are going to be joined by Jeff Tetz, who's the CEO of Results, a company that helps organizations develop business strategies, leadership practices, and business plans for success. Jeff has a deep, deep background in sport. He's worked in the uh, administration and sales side of professional sport, but he also coached at a very, very high level and was an athlete himself. And he's taken what he's learned in sport and crossed it into the corporate world. I actually just met Jeff and his company online as they just hosted an incredible webinar with renowned author Dan Coyle. Uh, And if you know Dan's work, you'll know he's the author of the great book, The Talent Code and The Culture Code, which was the theme of the webinar. And Jeff did a great job of hosting and guiding that conversation. I'm really looking forward to having Jeff on coming up later in the show. And isn't it interesting how sport, business, the military, academic institutions all sort of look to each other? to figure out who's being, who's having success and what are they doing to be successful. And one of the great examples of this from here on Crush Performance would probably be our conversation with David Cooper, who is formerly the Command Master Chief for the Navy SEALs and actually head of SEAL Team 6, the team that took down Osama Bin Laden. When we had David on the show, he was talking about their infrastructure, their training, but also how in tune they are with how they're performing on a daily basis. They're process for reviewing training sessions and and missions and also their focus on other areas of human performance in a quest to keep advancing their program and you know everybody's looking to the navy seals you see corporations talk about it you see almost every sporting organization on the planet has somehow looked at or talked about or tried to mimic or copy something from the navy seals But isn't it interesting when we talk to Brad, how much they are looking outside of the Navy SEALs and they're enamored with what's happening in sport. They're enamored what's happening in, in, in business. And they're adopting some of those ideas and those trends and those, I guess, processes to improve themselves. So I guess the message there is you have to keep an open mind and you have to keep your eyes open because there's things going on out there that might be useful to you and your team and your organization. So today we're going to connect some of those dots, keeping in mind our two major themes for 2021. The two major crush performance themes are talent and the brain game. Talent in the sense of where does talent come from? Fits very nicely into this conversation of organizational performance because you obviously need talent within your organization. Heck, you need talent to set up and run your organization. But while the leadership talent steers the organization, 
It's the talent within the organization that makes the organization work. That's what will make the organization successful. So talent, talent development, talent identification are critical components of a successful organization without question. And then, of course, the crush brain game is important here as well. Anywhere you have people striving or working together to improve performance or to compete, the brain game is a critical element in success. If that's not part of the equation and if it's not being addressed properly, human beings can't perform at their true potential. So both talent and the brain game are critical components to organizational performance, but there are so many other things that need to be considered if you're truly going to be successful as an organization. And it goes back to one of our fundamental philosophies, a problem accurately defined is already partly solved. So what, what makes up organizational performance? Well, we mentioned it already. Nobody does it alone. You need people around you. The influence of your surroundings, that age old conversation of nature versus nurture, How much influence does the environment, the people around you, the equipment, the amenities, the resources, how much influence do they have on success and development inside of an organization? It's not always the bells and whistles that equal success. You know, we saw that in Rocky, of course, you know, Rocky's out there chopping wood while the Russian team is in the exercise physiology lab looking at gait analysis, uh, VO2 max and blood lactate levels for crying out loud. But Rocky comes out of the woods, out of the wilderness, and he wins that fight. And while we all love Rocky and the fantasy of Hollywood, that's actually not that uncommon to have incredible performers come out of uh, programs or regions that they're just isn't a lot of advanced options. I mean, look at Serbia's tennis program. You know, recently they produced more top 20 tennis players than all of the U.S. And there is nothing fancy going on there. As a matter of fact, it's a rundown sort of derelict tennis club. They don't have all the fancy training equipment and all the latest technology. They've got a great program. Look at Kenya's Philo Running School. It's in Kenya. There's not a lot of great resources there. Philo does contribute. Don't get me. Don't get me wrong. But those runners are coming from very, very humble backgrounds and humble surroundings. And then, of course, you have Jamaica's Sprint Program. If you've ever read about that program, where it happens, and if you were to go down there and visit, hey, look, it's it's not a fancy place. There's just great work being done. So you don't necessarily need all of this fancy, high level stuff to be successful. What might be more important than bells and whistles is the infrastructure of how the system works. Does that make sense to everybody? Here's how it works. Great environments spawn great performance. And great performers drive great environments. It's, a, it's like an infinity loop. It's an endless give and take. The environment driving the performance. And then the performers driving the environment. Leaders guiding and steering the way as the performers work to make greatness happen. Everybody's working together. Everybody has to be in sync. And maybe most important of all, nobody does it alone. It's just not possible, especially in this day and age. So what is organizational performance? You know, there's lots of definitions out there, and I don't think there's any one single definition together. But when you look at an organization, whether it's a team or a group of teams, like a a Major League Baseball organization with the Major League team, the Minor League team, maybe it's a, a high school program or an elite club program where you have your A team and then your development team, your your big leagues and your development leagues, whatever it might be. An organization is a group of people working together towards a goal. I think that's a pretty straightforward way to look at it. A set of relationships, a set of people with relationships moving towards a goal. And here's what we know. The more crystal clear that goal and purpose is, the more success you're going to have. There is absolutely no doubt about that. Your goal, your objective has to be crystal clear to everybody in the system. And if it's not, you've got some work to do. It's an area of Massive improvement. It's one of the lowest hanging fruits. So address that first of all. And also, the better the connection, the better the sharing, the more success. The better the connection inside the organization, the stronger those relationships are, the more free and willing people are to share and work together. Without question, you're going to have more success. Doesn't that just seem like common sense? Why then? Why 
is it not so common? This is our quest for today. These are the dots we're trying to connect to make sense of all this so we can move performance forward. When we look at the top organizations out there, and it's been done hundreds of times over, there's been research studies and biographies and scientific breakdowns of top performers and top performing organizations hundreds and hundreds of times over. And for the most part, everybody's looking for trends and traits. Why is that organization great? How did that person become great? What made that person great? You guys have all seen the stories. You've all read it. You've all heard about it. It's been done over and over and over. But when it comes to organizational performance, there are strong traits that are correlated with success and not just a little bit of success, but prolonged high performance success. And one of those traits is safety and safety in the organization. And I'm not talking about hazard safety and that that's all important and everything. I'm talking about safety within the organization. How comfortable and safe do the, do the people in the organization feel uh, in doing their jobs? in expressing their views, job security, job comfort. How well do they know their jobs? How much support are they getting from above? And how much are they recognized for their efforts? That is a huge part of the puzzle. And one, unfortunately, that's getting lost in time here. And it's unfortunate, but we do know the organizations that get that are really ahead of the game. And then, of course, you have to have the trust factor, which kind of runs alongside and in parallel with the safety thing. If you don't have trust within your organization, You've got an uphill battle. Now, listen, in sport, this is one of the most difficult things you can ever develop uh, inside, inside of sport, any sport, because we all know how fickle sport is. We know how short the careers are. We all know that, especially in the professional ranks, uh, those players, those athletes, they're guns for hire. As long as they're serving a purpose for the organization, they are important. And get me, they are important. But for those athletes, players to have trust in the organization, that's, that's a tough thing to have in that, that landscape. It's just a tough landscape. It's nobody's fault. But in sport, what we've seen is sort of that, that move away from franchise players, players that start and finish their careers inside of an organization, teams that return year after year after year, and you're wearing that jersey and you know who your team is. Those days are long, long gone. And it's a different landscape. So athletes now, they're not so attached to the teams they're with as they are the leagues they're within. I am a major league baseball player. I am an NBA player. I am an NFL player. I play premier league soccer. Do you understand what I'm saying? The team loyalty just isn't there. It might be a stepping stone. Uh, the team might help that athlete extend a career, aspire, have some success while they're there, develop a little bit, and then on to the next. So in sport, it's a really, really tough, tough environment to gain this, this massive loyalty and trust. I um, mean, even in the developmental ranks, because we know that as athletes move and develop up the system, they're going to be changing environments, changing coaches, changing teams time and time again. Now, in the development side, it's a little bit different because everybody has the pure objective of helping athletes succeed. So it's a little different there. And not that that's not very, very important at the professional level, as I might even argue it's maybe even more important there because winning is the ultimate outcome at the professional level. The trust isn't there, but that's very, very different in the business world in the academic world where you want your people in house and you want them to stay. The turnover and attrition is, is one of the most difficult things to manage in, in business. And so building that trust is very, very important. And sometimes that comes down to um, just personal relationships and leaderships, leadership sort of sharing and, you know, not being afraid to show vulnerability, to talk about mistakes, to work through problems together and that goes back to that safety. Listen, if you're on your job and you're on walking on eggshells every single day, scared to say something, that organization is dysfunctional, period, period. I don't care how much success you're having right now or how great you're doing or, or what's going on. It's not going to be sustainable. It's just not because there's an organization or a company in your area of expertise that's coming up and they're doing it right. That's where the talent's going to go because that's where they want to be. And then the other maybe third major trait that we see in high-performing 
cultures and organizations is the, com- the communication and sharing. We kind of mentioned that already. Safety, job security, job comfort, um, trust and sharing, uh, communication uh, are three of the major traits of all successful organizations. Why don't we see it more? I'm not sure. Maybe people just don't know about this stuff. But if you're going to fix a problem, you have to know where to where to um, invest your effort, so to speak. And if you don't have these three traits in place, there's only one place to look. If you don't have these three qualities in your organization, there's only one place to look, and that's at leadership. If your leadership hasn't established an environment that encompasses these three performance traits and many others, that's where the effort need to go, needs to go right now. That leadership has to be held accountable because they're the ones that are solely responsible for developing that environment. So as much as it comes from the top down, which is critically important, once the system is in place and operating, the information coming from the bottom up is truly what drives sustained success. And sometimes those two pathways are either overemphasized or underemphasized or not recognized at all. The top down and the bottom up, they're both as powerful. But it all starts with crystal clear purpose. Well-defined goals and objectives that are absolutely crystal clear. All right, we have to cut out for a quick break. When we come back, we're going to continue connecting the dots of organizational performance. And we're going to talk the culture code with Jeff Tetz, the CEO of Results, right here on Crush Performance. Stick around, everybody. This is Crush Performance. If you have questions, comments, or smart remarks, write to us at crushperformance.com. And welcome back to Crush Performance, everybody. I am Jeff Crushell, and we're your weekly source for performance information. Listen, if you want to reach out to us, questions, comments, smart remarks, do so. Info at Crush Performance is our email. Check out our website, crushperformance.com. You can follow me on Twitter, at Jeff Crush. Today, we are talking organizational performance, trying to connect the dots to get a better understanding of how it's set up, how it operates, and how do you continue to succeed in the world of organizational performance. It's one of those chicken and egg type questions. What comes first? Does the great organization come first or does the people who create and operate within that organization come first? Well, we know it's kind of a mix of both, but there are strategies that have to be put in place here if you're going to succeed and have continued success as an organization. And we're joined right now by Jeff Tetz, who's the CEO of Results, a company that helps organizations develop business strategies, leadership practices, and business plans for success. Jeff, hey, thanks so much for joining us today. Absolutely. Uh, Really uh, happy to be here with you, Jeff. Hey, for all our listeners, so Jeff and I connected on the internet. I was uh, scrolling through my LinkedIn feed at some at one point, and I saw your picture right alongside Dan Coyle, of course, who is a renowned author of the Talent Code and the Culture Code. I'm going, oh, hey, what this could be interesting. And then I started reading more about uh, results and your your um, webinar series called Unleashed, Jeff. And I had to connect with you. I signed up immediately. Uh, of course, Dan Coyle is right up our alley here on Crush Performance. But that's how we met. Isn't it incredible how how social media is creating this incredible fabric and web of connections in this day and age? Yeah, it, can, it certainly can be. Uh, and, and I mean, it can also be a, a very divisive platform. And I think it's it's like any tool we have to do the best that we can to make it work for us and uh, not sort of happen to us. But I, I think you hit on something interesting there that the pandemic has made the world smaller than ever. And, you know, we can focus on what we've lost, but we can also focus on what we've gained. And I think one of the things we've lost is this ability to have those accidental collisions, whether it's the hallway uh, of your office place or it's out for lunch somewhere when you ran into somebody that uh, you haven't connected with for a while that you've been intending to. So those are gone for the time being. But there's this other form of collision that's happening now if you choose to take advantage of it. And it's that people that you have never met are more available and accessible online than ever before. And you know that's how we've got in contact with people like Dan Coyle that we would not have ever dreamt of meeting uh, if this pandemic didn't change the uh, didn't change the rules of the game. 
Yeah, it's fantastic. And the seminar was great. We'll get to that in a moment. But for our listeners, and they're probably going, hey, why, 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 why are we talking to Jeff, Jeff Tetz here? You've got a great, great story with an incredible sporting background. Um, you're all about performance. But your world right now is business leadership and, and corporate performance. Maybe tell us a bit about uh, the results uh, company and what you guys are all about. Yeah, absolutely, Jeff. So thank you. I'm I mean, I'm part of a leadership team uh, and ownership group of a company called Results. And we we partner with management teams of mid-sized firms to help them unlock the potential that exists in their business. And I mean, here's the thing that we know about all human beings and all teams, and whether whether it's athletics, it's military, it's uh, institutional, or it's business. We all have untapped potential and we've just, we've fortunately, we've been able to build a business with a team of people that's just so innately curious about why is it that some people tend to overachieve and outperform others consistently through any kind of market conditions, any kind of sort of constraints or external uh, environments. They just tend to come out sort of smelling like roses on the other side and and so what we've been able to do over the years is, is distill some of the key habits, disciplines, and strategies that comprise those highly successful teams. And we help uh, business teams in Western Canada apply those to their own uh, teams and organizations for uh, enhanced and improved results. Isn't it interesting? You know, you mentioned um, the, the, the outperformers or, you know, the, the uh, companies or the individuals. It just seemed to find a way. Here's a cool story. This is one of the turning points in my personal career um, is uh, we were playing the New York Yankees. Uh, Carlos Tosca was the manager at the time. And after the game, I think we'd won by one run. It was a tight game, really good game. Everybody played well. And uh, we were hitting the road. It was a travel day. So after the game, uh, of course, everybody's packing up and we're, we're hitting the road. And I walked into the manager's office and Carlos was sitting there and I saw this bright red book on his desk and it was, it was titled Good to Great. <laughs> and I'm going, hey, Carlos, what's this book? He goes, hey, Crusher, listen, man, you need to read this book. I think you'd really enjoy it. It's all business and stuff. He goes, but you know, everything you're doing with the guys and everything you do behind the scenes, I think you'd really enjoy it. So listen, he lent me that book and we were on a, um, we were leaving Toronto for a West Coast swing. I had that. We went from uh, Toronto to Seattle, Seattle to Anaheim, Anaheim to Texas, and then we were back to Toronto. By the time we landed in Texas, I had finished the book. And if you look at the Crush Performance logo right now, those three rings that are presented inside the book um, are our company logo. That's how much of an impact that book had on, wow. on my thought process at that time. I actually called Jim Collins and talked to him to get permission to use those rings. He was on board 100%. But, but what a fascinating experience that was. And Jeff, you know, we talk about business on this show all the time. And one of the cool spinoffs from Crush Performance is, you know, I've been honored to speak, you know, at winter meetings for Major League Baseball and to certain organizations, but also to oil companies and, and bank managers and construction companies. And it's just been a real cool spin. But anywhere people are trying to get better, there's this, there's this pursuit of, of knowledge for human performance. And that's kind of what you guys are all about. So glad we got to connect. Yeah, me too, Jeff. That is a great story. Uh, and I've, you know, I find that more and more is, the uh, the convergence between athletics and and just leadership in general is there's more commonality there I think than uh, than we may have thought and and so being a business leader in a lot of ways is like uh, it is like being a general manager or a, or a head coach uh, of a sporting team no doubt no doubt about it well and that takes us back to your your very very interesting uh, past and your history and your road that's brought you to here Jeff I really like this you know you're kind of like the player you know we just watched I watched Moneyball with my daughters again here this weekend you know and um, you know there's that one scene where David Justice is in the in the cages hitting and he goes I've never seen a GM talk to players like that he goes well you've never seen a GM who's actually played the game <laughs> right it was, a, it was a powerful, that little scene. I don't know if the girls got it. I have three daughters. I don't know if they really caught it, but, but I always, that scene always gets me in that show um, because that perspective is very important. It's not necessary. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of great GMs who have never played before, but to have that perspective. Now, your background is really interesting because you come from a very serious hockey coaching background. And I just wanted to ask you, maybe you could tell us a bit about that story and how has that served you right now in the business you're in? Yeah, well, I, I have, I've been re very fortunate in, in my life that I've had a lot of really awesome, successful people 
uh, help help me in a, in a bunch of endeavors. And and from a professional standpoint, I've always worked in sales and marketing roles. But early in my career, the first two places that I ever worked were uh, the Edmonton Eskimos and the Edmonton Oilers. So my my day job was sales and marketing for those two professional sports teams. And then at the same time, I was trying my best to build a hockey coaching career and moving my way uh, up the ranks there. And, and I, I did coach in the Alberta Junior Hockey League for a while. And it was fascinating because I had a chance to be around pro athletes. I had a chance to be around Don Matthews, Craig McTavish, Billy Moores became such an important and integral mentor in my life. Uh, other coaches, I, I, so I would spend most of my time uh, selling season tickets during the day and then evenings and weekends, you know, watching the Oilers play and watching them practice and studying the drills and, and how Craig McTavish would talk to the players and how the rest of the staff would interact. And so I, I, I got to a point where I recognized I was probably not going to live out this dream of being an NHL hockey coach someday. And uh, I was fortunate that I found a, a group of guys from Calgary that started the company results. And what I realized was we were doing for businesses what um, what I was uh, doing for hockey players. And it, and it wasn't the hockey that I loved. It was the somehow, it was the, the chance to be a catalyst for a high-performing group of individuals to somehow come together and recognize that together they can accomplish more. And so that's really the essence of what we do for companies now is we show them how to accomplish more by caring about each other and not about their personal success. Yeah, it's incredible. What a great story that is. And I love how it tied in. Now, you know, one thing we always talk about, Jeff, and, and you know, in that Unleashed presentation, we'll talk about your series, the Unleashed series here with Dan Coyle um, last week. Uh, that was fascinating. Dan is so great. He's well-researched. He's a great writer and he puts it together very clearly. Um, but one of the things we talked about there was, you know, uh, purpose and and providing purpose as a leader. But if everybody has clear, concise purpose, man, you know, life gets pretty, pretty exciting. Um, it's when you lose that purpose or lose vision that the things can get pretty complicated. And, and that's one of the challenges of leaders, but it's also a challenge of the individual. One of the things that we really work on hard, Jeff, with our our, our athletes, our teams, and our organizations is, is making sure that that purpose is crystal clear, but also remembering that it's in a state of flux, man. That is a moving target, much like you changing changing careers. You know, that pursuit of NHL coaching maybe provided you with the opportunity to do what you're doing now. And so that's not a loss in any, any way. Some people feel that when um, they decide to change their goals, uh, they, they maybe consider it a, a loss or a failure. But that's not the case at all. It's sometimes the greatest victory you can ever imagine. Absolutely. Well, you know who I think about when you say that, when you tell that story is, uh, is you know, the tragic loss of Kobe Bryant. And Kobe Bryant, I mean, I, 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 ever since I was old enough to know what basketball was, I was a Lakers fan. And, and, you know, back in the early 80s, it was like, you know, if you grew up in Canada, you basically chose Larry Bird or Magic Johnson. And I chose Magic, Magic Johnson and uh, just in wonderment about what they were able to do. And of course, Kobe continued that legacy. So I, I've always been a huge fan of Kobe Bryant and the way that he carried himself and his habits and his pursuit of excellence. And and the, the thing, like of all the championships he won, the thing that was impressing me most about him was he he didn't reluctantly transition to life after sports. He enthusiastically transitioned. And that is a very hard thing for pro athletes to do. And I think you're absolutely right. Like he embraced the next phase of his life with as much vigor and energy as he did the prior one. And, and I think there's a lot that we can all take from that uh, in terms of the opportunities that might lie in front of us uh, as our careers and our lives evolve. You know, Jeff, we are just, uh, we're talking with Jeff Tetz, the CEO of Results. You can get their great information at UnleashedResults.com. Jeff, we just launched our quest into the brain game, and it's a year-long quest for us. We just are now understanding that this thing between our ears is so integral to our health and our performance, um, but we don't know a lot about it. We just had a great conversation with Crush Favorite, Dr. Martin Mrazek, to launch the series. And one of the things that we talked about isn't it interesting, was the importance of connecti connect connectivity. And that's just connecting with your, your, your group of people. You know, on average, a person has about 200 contacts, you know, around the world at any given time uh, once you're established and out there in the, in the working world. Um, and keeping those contacts alive 
and existing is important, not just for the individual, but also for the people on the other end. And, and the Unleashed series that you guys, webinar series that you guys are doing, it's all about connecting people. I really like the approach here. Well, that's right. And the, uh, the idea for Unleashed happened in really the early, the early days, if not early hours of the pandemic. And like most businesses, you're just sort of left reeling, uh, looking around saying, wow, like, where did this come from? How did this happen? What do we do now? And we just thought, okay, let's, let's get really clear about how, how we're going to make some decisions here and how we're going to show up for our community of leaders in this, uh, you know, heightened period of uncertainty. And we really relied on our purpose and, and our values. And, and, and what that means for us is community and connection. And we really were just focusing on how do we show up for leaders right now and what are they going to need? Well, they're going to need tools, insight, and information to make better, more informed decisions. And they're going to need other leaders that they can share ideas with. And, and so the, the basic premise is that Thursdays at 10 in the morning, uh, we have a different author or thought leader that joins us. And we talk about something that's highly relevant for anybody who's a leader of any kind of organization, whether it's business, not-for-profit, athletics, institutional, and what have you. But the thing that has happened that we didn't expect, Jeff, is that it's become its own community. It's become its unleashed community where people are tuning in live and they can certainly watch the, the YouTube uh, rebroadcast or listen on the, on the uh, podcast, but people are turning up in droves to attend it live so that they can connect with people on the chat. And we have people telling us now it's like their one salvation of the week that they just know that this is going to be there for them and familiar faces and conversations that uh, might not have happened otherwise are able to, to take place because, uh, you know, we've, we've uh, uh, had the good fortune of, of building this new platform. I love it. And it's so important right now. Uh, one, you know, uh, one of the quests on uh, crush performance from the time we started the radio show was just to share information, connect people much like you guys are doing, but also to maybe get people thinking about, things they might not think about. We've just had such great exposure, lucky enough to have great exposure to some of, some of the most incredible people on the planet when it comes to human performance, you know, being associated in the high-performance sporting world. Uh, that, but we know that can trickle down right to grassroots, to your home life, to your business, to your personal life. So it's been really rewarding there. But the kicker has been our audience is so incredible. Uh, the the emails, the messages, the texts, they're getting us thinking as much as we're getting them thinking. And here's one of the cool spinoffs from my first Unleashed uh, um, webinar with you guys is I've had about seven people connect with me saying, hey, saw you, uh, saw you at, the, at the event in the chat room. Um, and they connected. And some of those people are from the United States. There was people from Ireland there. Man, what a great, great thing, Jeff. Congratulations. I love everything you guys are doing there. Yeah, thanks, Jeff. And I think, I think that the platform and the type of community that's, that's involved is a very authentic one. And when you have when you have a high degree of authenticity, so people show up as they are, you tend to connect on a deeper level sooner. And I and I think so. It doesn't surprise me actually. Uh, so if you come and you show up and you participate and you contribute, you're going to get the attention of people, and, and people are going to take that initiative afterwards to generate a relationship. And I, I, so it makes me smile because one of the uh, you know the altruistic uh, aspects of my life is I just love being a connector of people, just getting people together to do great things together that would not ordinarily have met. So uh, that really is, uh, that really uh, does bring me great delight uh, to hear that there's some people that reached out, Jeff. Yeah. Well, one of the other takeaways from our conversation with Dr. Morazic in our brain game kickoff was uh, the fact that nobody does it alone. You have to surround yourself with good people and, and you have to keep feeding that chain so you can move yourself and your organization forward. Jeff, you talked about transition really quickly here. Um, you know, curiosity and transition. You talked about Kobe Bryant transitioning. This is a time of transition, man. We're seeing businesses uh, um, losing their incomes, going out of business. We're seeing employees losing their jobs. Um, this is a time to be really, really flexible, really, really agile and find purpose somehow, find purpose. And, and that's what these conversations are all about. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think it's very difficult, I think, to, to detach our identity from what we do, Jeff. But if, if we've, if we've had, a time in, in, for most of us anyways, in history where it's never been so, I guess, just so um, spotlighted, 
we have to find ways, I believe, to identify more with who we are and not what we do. And so holding strong to our values, our beliefs, what we aspire to be known as, uh, how do we, you know, like uh, Tom Peters talks a lot about uh, not focusing on resume virtues, but instead focusing on eulogy virtues. And I think there's a lot to be said about that. If we can become a little more intentional about what do we want our reputations to be in the community when our lives are over? Because they're all too short. And I know it's tough right now. We're all experiencing COVID at the same time, but we're all experiencing it very differently. So I, I, I don't agree that we're all in it together because it is such a different experience for us. And those that are in a stronger position, I think it, I think it's almost our duty to do what, what we can to look out for others who might be in a less uh, advantaged position. And that's not always easy to do, to look after somebody else when it might be, uh, you know, have an adverse effect on ourselves personally. But uh, there's just so many examples of how people are doing right now, doing that right now. And it's, it's quite inspiring. It is inspiring and very, very worthy as well, Jeff. Hey, listen, uh, great, great conversation. So glad. Hey, uh, the first, um, appearance on crush performance i'm glad it happened jeff thanks for doing the unleashed webinar series what's up next you got some great guests coming up we do uh, the very next one uh, well you can watch these on recording but we've, we've got a gentleman that wrote a book called the innovation delusion uh, saying that we're really deluding ourselves about how important and how valuable innovation is compared to the world and the work that we've already built. Uh, and even Amy Edmondson. So Amy is from Harvard. She's a professor, a research best, researcher, a best-selling author. She basically invented psychological safety, discovered it, and she's going to join us for the season finale on April 8th. And we've got a bunch of uh, other speakers. There's eight episodes in season three, and uh, they can find us on the website at unleashresults.com. Great, Jeff. Appreciate you and everybody there who is working to just make things better. Uh, much appreciated. Thanks for coming on today. Thank you, Jeff. Pleasure to be here. All right. There you go, everybody. Have to thank Jeff for that great conversation. That's my internet hookup right there. The power of the web. Introducing and connecting people with uh, common goals and objectives. And again, just like an organization, nobody can do it alone. And if you do get a chance to go check out that Dan Coyle webinar, uh, if you read Dan's stuff, of course, uh, you, you know how good it is. Uh, but this is a really good casual conversation uh, with Dan. And Jeff does a great job of hosting and leading that conversation. All right, when we come back, we're going to continue our look into organizational performance. And if you're going to be a successful organization, well, your people have to be successful. What does it take to develop talent within an organization? Find out right after this on Crush Performance. Get the Crush blog, podcast, Twitter, and Facebook links at crushperformance.com. Now, back to the show. And welcome back to Crush Performance, everybody. Today, we are connecting the dots on organizational performance. If you want to reach out to us, do so. Crushperformance.com is the website. Info at Crushperformance is the email. Keep your eyes open. A brand new website is on the way. There will be a lot of great new content there, great new ways to hook up, and great new ways for us to share information that can help you perform at your best and really get an idea of what it truly takes to achieve human maximum performance because it's out there for all of us. All right, today's conversation is no exception. Great, great discussion with Jeff Tetz, the CEO of Results. And of course, I met Jeff and everybody there at Results through their webinar with Daniel Coyle talking about the culture code. Um, and you can uh, go see that webinar. They've got it on YouTube. We'll put the link on our social media, so keep your eyes open for that. All right. Well, getting down to it, organizational performance. We know that it starts from the top down. We've established that for sure. Leadership sets the tone for the culture. You know, I have a saying from the Harvard Business Review. It's posted on my bulletin board above my desk, and I absolutely love it. It says, culture trumps strategy every single time. And I agree. All the strategy in the world will never overcome a poor culture. However, if you've got a strong, vibrant, powerful culture... You don't even have to have the top strategies. I've got a funny feeling, though, that that culture is going to feed and create great strategies. It's going to de demand it. And then your structure follows your strategy. You can't have a good structure if you're not sure what it is you're going to accomplish and how you're going to do it. So see if this makes sense. When we talk about organizational performance, here's kind of a flow chart. All right. 
You start off with your culture that is established by your leadership. That's the purpose, the goals and directives, and the parameters for which the organization is going to work under, the rules and regulations, so to speak. And then you have your strategy. How are you going to get it done? And then from there, you build your structure, and then you go out and execute and constantly adjust. It goes back to our three-word approach that we're so, so fond of here at Crush Performance. You have an approach. You put it into play, you get a result, and then you respond accordingly. Were you successful? Why? Excellent. Let's do it better next time. Were you not successful? Why? Let's fix it and be successful next time. You know, there's a Japanese proverb that I love that sort of encompasses this. It says, vision without action is a dream. Action without vision is a nightmare. Unfortunately, there's way too many nightmares going on. If you have your culture, you could set your strategy. You have your strategy, you can build your structure, and then you can execute, get everybody on the same page. And that's kind of the ebb and flow of organizational performance. Now, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of other things that have to go on, but those are sort of the guiding principles that need to be in place if you're going to be successful. Now, listen, once everybody's going and your organization is running, there is a big thing that you need to address, and that is motivation. You have to motivate the people within your organization. If there's one thing we know about successful organizations and people who really do want to perform, money is not the ultimate factor here. As a matter of fact, more times than not, top performers are not driven by money. There are some very important components to motivation and keeping your people motivated. And motivation is one of the core concepts of organizational success. When people start to get frustrated when they feel stalled or if they've plateaued, if they don't feel they have anywhere to go, and that can be a big problem. Well, one of the things that really can motivate people is the idea of mastery, the support of helping them achieve something that they want to work towards. A very important concept of motivating people. Another one would be autonomy. People ultimately would like to have the freedom to, to work and self-direct themselves with the support of people around them. Autonomy is a powerful motivator in any aspect of human performance. And one of the most important that we've mentioned time and time again here, even today, is purpose. People want clear, concise purpose. They want to be working towards something. They want to be part of something bigger than they are. They want to contribute something to the greater good. Mastery, autonomy, purpose. Uh, Dan Pink talks about this in his great book called Drive. Uh, there are other things that motivate as well, but motivation and keeping your people motivated is very, very important. Again, when people feel stalled or unclear about what it is exactly they are doing, there's trouble brewing. So part of that puzzle is putting the right people in the right place, matching the goals and objectives of the individual with the positions and the jobs that are available within the organization. It's critical and open discussion and honesty is one of the most important parts of making that happen. Because without this, it's very, very difficult to succeed. So an example might be um, in the world of sport. There's so much travel involved. And when people start having families and young kids at home, maybe they don't want to travel as much. So rather than being with a team that's on a plane, you know, every second night, Maybe they hunker down and find a job at one of the training facilities where they can go home every evening. You see what I'm saying? And that's part of finding the right job, getting the right person in the right job. Maybe have a, a young person just out of school who's really looking for opportunity. You might have somebody else who's already well, well into their niche, very established in, in what, they, what they do. And all they want to do is, is have a little more autonomy and get challenged a little more within the job they're already doing. All these things come into play and it's really, really important. And that's part of building that culture, right? Building that culture is so, so important. And brutal honesty and open conversation is one of the driving factors that's going to keep that ball rolling. Okay, And, and then that goes back to that safety aspect, the ability to talk and suggest and criticize and discuss. You know, you want to feel safe being um, open with your opinions and your ideas, even if they're not right. You know, if you have a group of people who aren't afraid to uh, voice their opinions, but also who aren't afraid to get shot down, that's the other side of it. You know, it's, it's one thing to give people the right to talk up and, you know, voice their opinions, 
But if they're not in a place where they can take criticism or get shut down because maybe that's not the right thing at a certain point in time, then there's trouble on the other side. And this is all, man, the depth and the layers of building a good culture. But it's got to happen. And the, the, good, the good businesses, the good teams, the good organizations are doing it. And at the end of the day, when all things are equal, all the opportunities and potential are out there for everybody, every team, every organization, every business. At the end of the day, once your culture's in place, once your strategy's in place, once your purpose is crystal clear and out there for everybody to see, it comes down to your people. And there's yet another quote that I love that fits in right here. I have to say it. And it comes from Coach Belichick a few years ago. He said, good players can't overcome bad coaching. That's why he puts so much emphasis on his coaching staff and who's on that staff. Boy, oh boy, that's the managers in a business. It's the teachers in a school. It's the coaches on a soccer field. It might be one of the most important steps in creating a performance environment, that leadership level from the top down. Because if those people can't do their jobs, it doesn't matter what kind of talent you have at the bottom. Good players cannot overcome bad coaching. And it is 100% true. Now, some people do persevere out of spite, but it probably won't happen within that organization. Somebody will leave and see how crappy that was when they land somewhere else and go, oh, what is this, heaven? Am I in heaven all of a sudden? No, no, you're just in a, hey man, we just care. We care, we care about what goes on here. We care about how you feel. We care about how you perform. How about that? I have a good friend. His name is Dave Turgeon. He was with the Pittsburgh Pirates for years and years and years. Just a great, great coach. He was a former player. Uh, and with the Pittsburgh Pirates, he was the, I think, director of coaching development. He said something to me the other day that's probably going to stick with me forever. You know, once in a while, you hear these things that just stick with you. He said, you know, are we preparing the players or are we preparing the path? It's an incredibly important distinction. I mean, if you look what's happening in our school systems right now, we could open up this for discussion. Um, is, is it great to not have uh, percentages or not have assignments that are due on time or you face the consequences? Listen, I don't know about your kid's school, but at the school my daughter goes to right now, it's not a big deal if you don't miss your or if you don't meet your deadline for an assignment. Uh, you can make it up. You can hand it in later. Man, oh man, again, you know, I don't know whether that's good or bad. And we can go back to developmental hockey, developmental sport. No, no score, no score kind of takes away a consequence. Kids are keeping score anyway, but why wouldn't you, why wouldn't you keep score? Somebody has to lose. Somebody has to win. If the spirit of the environment is development, the kids are going to understand that, hey, you learn from those Losses as much as you learn from those successes. Are we preparing the players? Are we preparing the employees, the students? Are we preparing our people? Or are we preparing the path? And once the path gets too easy, when it's not challenging anymore, what happens to those people, right? Hmm, it's very, very interesting. I will say this. Most of the successful business organizations, most of the successful schools with top academics, and most of the successful sporting teams that I've ever been around have incredible accountability. I mean, if you really want to simplify this entire conversation, it comes down to expectations and accountability. You can't enforce an expectation or even have expectations if the goals aren't clear, but you can't have accountability if there's no expectations, goals, and objectives. It's quite a simple formula at the end of the day. Unfortunately, we've lost our way somehow. All right. Well, listen, there's so much more I wanted to talk about today. We'll have to carry it over, but I do want to get to this. There is a groundbreaking study on talent that really did shed some light on what's important in terms of helping people succeed. And it was the development of talent research project done by uh, Bloom and Sosniak way back in the eighties. It was a great, great look at um, why top performers are who they are. And they set out to find out what's separating them from the rest. And the idea was to look at irregularities, patterns, and histories to shed a little bit of light on how expert performance is achieved. And what they thought they would find are special gifts and qualities that made these people special right from the get-go. What they did find was no unusual promise at the start, no intention of working towards excellence. It just sort of evolved over time. 
What they did find, however, was that more mentoring and encouragement led to greater performance, which led to more support, which led to greater performance. Kind of like that infinity loop we talked about earlier. Exactly like that. And here's what Benjamin Bloom said. We thought we would find exceptional kids. And what we found were exceptional conditions. And there you have it. Connecting the dots for organizational performance. It all starts with great leadership, with vision and direction. It all starts with great leadership that provides vision and direction. And then you build the culture of safety, trust, and sharing. Then you build your strategy, which is the structure for making the vision happen and making sure the purpose is crystal clear for everybody involved. And then the structure, the working parts, people, 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 support, development, and motivate. How good can your organization become? Well, just like we say to every single one of our athletes, we don't know until you've gone through the process. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is very rare in this day and age, which also opens up a world of opportunity for those teams and organizations that are willing to go the distance and do the tough stuff to do it right. Because it's not easy to be great, but it is 100% doable if you're ready, willing, and able to do what it takes. All right, let's end it there. I have to thank Jeff Tetz for joining us, CEO of Results. You can check out their great work at UnleashResults.com. And I want to thank you for listening, everybody. Again, get to us, questions, comments, smart remarks. CrushPerformance.com is the website. Info at CrushPerformance is the email. Coming up in the next few weeks, we're going to be talking some baseball. Ooh, baseball season is upon us. I can't be more excited. Lots of performance talk revolving around baseball. And we're also digging down deep on our two main themes this year, talent and the crush brain game. So there'll be lots of great content coming up on that in the next few weeks. All right. Until next week, everybody, get out there, have some fun, stay safe. But most of all, go get better. And we'll talk to you next time right here on Crush Performance. Goodbye now. Don't forget to ride. This is an MMA report with Jason Floyd and Daniel Galvan. Quick fix on Radio Influence. Props. To Scott Coker here. You could easily hope that Rumble Johnson, Yoel Romero would meet in the semifinals or maybe the finals. Or hell, just screw it. Just make it the first round matchup. And I love that Bellator did that. Bellator gave the fans the fight they wanted to see. They didn't try to say, hey, let's build up this fight in the semifinals or the finals. Let's do this thing right at the start of the tournament. And that is a tremendous move by Bellator. Kudos to Bellator for making that decision. Yeah, yeah. It seems like that's something that Scott Coker likes to do. Like um, when you go back to the heavyweight Grand Prix, I think the fight that he made in the first round that was similar to that was Alistair Overeem versus Fabricio Verdum. I think at that time, those were two of the top heavyweights in that field, and Coker immediately made the fight. So that's um, that's a similar situation here. And uh, look, man, Bellator was late to the party of 2021. They were. And I think you got to think this was a big reason why is they were dotting all the I's, crossing all the T's, and, and getting things started well on Showtime. The MMA Report with Jason Floyd and Daniel Galvan can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com.